Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you hear those words, you can feel good knowing that. State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. Now, let me tell you, girl, I don't got a boat, a motorcycle, or an RV, but State Farm covers my home and my car. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help protect your future by helping you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And you know what? Getting insurance can be so intimidating because you don't know exactly what you need. So having an agent that could help you with each step makes it so much easier. Girl, I feel you on that. So when things get complicated and you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Maybe you like to handle things in person or on the phone with your local agent, or you prefer to do it on statefarm.com or on the award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. I personally am the type of gal that likes to do things through an app. It just makes it more easier than going in person or hopping on a call. So I love that they have that option available. Girl, I like to use an app too. I'm not trying to pull up a person or or a call because I'm way too, I have too much social anxiety for that. I'm trying to do it on the app. So that's why I'm here with State Farm. And that is why, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hispanics themselves, those 59 million people, have not realized their potential. They have no clue that we are 18% of the population. They have no clue that we're making $45,000 income in general. They have no clue that we generate 12% of the GDP, that we are, you know, like 40% of the new workers. Understand that the power that we have is real, is not potential. We just have to exercise it. And the way to do it is to unite. We can be that community that will be the main motor of the middle class of America moving forward. And the perception will change from criminal waiter or pizza deliverer to, oh my God, please come and work here in my company. Provide platforms for Hispanics to be able to speak and say like, look at me, I am a success story. I was able to start a fashion company and this is what I'm doing. Or look at me, I am in sports and I won a medal. Just trying to shine as a Hispanic and just let other people see them. Our young generations deserve to be guided. And there's a lot of people that can be a role model. They just need to speak up and we just need to provide them with the right platforms. This is the Global Goals Cast, the podcast that explores if we can change the world. So today, I am delighted to see you here in London, Claudia. Thanks for coming. This is amazing. And and with such a great opportunity to be talking about something that is very dear to my heart. Let's go back five years. You moved to the U.S. five years ago. What's happened in that five years that's bringing us to this point right now? Well, it's actually less than five years. It's four years and a half, which you would actually think it's it's no difference. But a lot happened 
America Change Administration. And I think that for 55 million people that live in America coming from Hispanic origins, all of a sudden it's a new era, a new time. And we've never been stronger, but we also have never had this incredible opportunity to change our destiny and our future forever. So stuff has changed for you as well because you're on a sabbatical right now, right? Right. The numbers have reached the maturity level that actually had uh, pushed me to say like, you know what, I'm going to take a year off from the United Nations to act if you want as the CMO or the chief marketing officer of the Hispanic community. No one asked me, <laughs> but hey, no one asked me, but hey, someone has to do it because okay, it has so all the, the potential. So who's the product here if you're the chief marketing officer? The Hispanic community. Okay. So these 26 nations composed by Venezuelans, Mexicans, Cubans that don't see themselves as one. So it's it's almost like a fragmented product of beautiful pieces that if united, they would constitute one of the most important pillars of the middle class of America. Mm -hmm. And yet we're not seeing anywhere. So if you allow me, Edie, mm -hmm. what Talk I've learned, what I've learned, and even before taking my sabbatical, what I've learned is that the Hispanic community is potentially powerful and beautiful. So more than 40% of Hispanics are under 25 years old. We pay taxes. We exercise the voting rights. Uh, it's highly educated. Before, it, it used to only be uh, working and not education. But now second and third generation of people have been highly educated. Mm. We're finishing secondary school, going into graduation. We're 12% of the GDP of America. If you would actually put the GDP of Hispanics alone as a standalone economy would be the seventh of the world, equally to Italy. And you don't realize that because, you know, like in America, it's been it's been very often the case that Hispanics have been misperceived or unseen. So let me tell you about the areas where Hispanics are visible. Mm -hmm. Hispanics are visible when it comes to hard work, when it comes to understanding that there's a community that will actually be there and be resilient and work. We're very optimistic. Eight out of 10 Hispanic would say that their future is brighter for them than what their parents had. Hmm. 45% of Hispanics have actually made the transition between low class to middle class. We make what does that mean? It means that you, there is an upward mobility that mm. is very important. So this, this community has realized that hard work and connections would allow them to move forward. Mm -hmm. And for example, Roberto, I was in Sun Valley this summer and Roberto started washing dishes for this restaurant and be paid $5 an hour. Now he owns the restaurant after three years and he's employing not only his nephew and his niece, but also five people from his community. That's the Hispanic that we have to see mm. in this country in America, you have more tortillas sold than, than bread and more salsa sold than ketchup. That makes me happy. That makes me I like both tortillas and salsa. I wish we had more <laughs> of both of those in London. And yet, you need to realize that when it comes to the perception of Hispanics in America so far, it has been mostly related to three main things. First one is criminals. So Hispanics overall in the media, according to the studies of 2016-2017, the number one association is criminal. Number two is waiter. And the number three is pizza deliverer. And as a community that is working very hard, this is a misperception that has to change. Mm. So the question it is, I realized 
there's a huge potential in this community. There's an incredible wallet out there. There's an incredible vote out there in Hispanics in America. Young, ready, working hard. Mm. Yet, they are underrepresented in media, in politics, or anywhere. And they are misperceived as well. And the question was, why? What the hell is going on? Mm. The numbers are so wonderful, are so beautiful. There's no potential growth in any company that wants to tap into American market mm. without the Hispanic community. There's no possible other way for a brand to be able to grow in America if they don't tap to minorities, particularly to the Hispanic community. And yet... It's not moving. So, so why you would, is that, do you think? Exactly. So one of the main reasons why I started my sabbatical is to understand what the hell? What's going on? How is it that this community is so beautiful and yet is perceived so ugly? Why is it so big and yet is act so small? Mm. Why is it so fragmented and, and not exercising that potential? And so today I'm delighted to actually release in our Global Goals cast some of the first findings of a survey that we did with Zeno Group, about 2,500 Hispanics in America, mm -hmm. to try to understand what the hell. Okay, so what the hell? The main finding, Edie, which is probably not surprising to you, is that Hispanics themselves, those 59 million people, have not realized their potential. They have no clue that we are 18% of the population. They have no clue that we're making $45,000 income in general. They have no clue that we generate 12% of the GDP, that we are, you know, like 40% of the new workers. No clue. And therefore, they feel weak as opposed to strong. Hmm. The number two finding is that there is no sense of community. Hispanics don't feel community. And that is so key for me to say, because you have a community that wants to be a community, but doesn't have one. Hispanics have an incredible sense of duty, but also an incredible sense of belonging. And yet we're not unified. So the message number two from this key finding is we're not 26 nations living in America. We're not Venezuelans, Colombians, Mexicans, Cubans, mm. and we can't focus on that. We have to actually act as one. And acting as one would be sort of like learning from the other communities that have so much to teach us from what they have done before. For example, Asian, mm -hmm. for example, African-American or Jewish. The Asians... Do you really think that the Chinese and the Japanese get along? Historically, they couldn't have had more differences. Right. And, and yet, they act together when it comes to lobby for scholarships. Mm. And yet, they act together when it comes to finding jobs and senior positions for Asian women and men. So what we need to do at the Hispanic community is, one, understand that the power that we have is real, is not potential. We just have to exercise it. And the way to do it is to unite and stop our small differences and focus on the big, you know, like unification mm. areas that we have so that we can be that community that will be the main motor of the middle class of America moving forward. And the perception will change from criminal waiter or pizza deliverer to, oh, my God, please be, come and work here in my company because you have an incredible ethic, you work hard, and you have a family faith that would actually you know, be representing all the faces of America that right now are not represented. 
So it's an incredible study that you're talking about. Yes. Some of the other things that I've noticed about is, is what you're saying about the lack of role models and leaders. Talk me through that, what you found there. One of the action points that I'm taking from this study is three quarters of Hispanics overall feel not represented, feel not defended, feel that no one is out there for us. So who you're going to call? There's no ghostbuster. There's no Hispanic ghostbuster right. to come and, <laughs> and save us. Um, and there's 74% of Hispanics overall cannot name a single leader. They cannot say anyone else beyond the entertainment community that represent them. So we do have a great deal of artists and celebrities like Jennifer Lopez and others. And nevertheless, there's a very invisible set of role models. And we do have an incredible set of people that work, astronauts, academics, you know, like people in tech, people in healthcare, CEOs, uh, CMOs. We have an incredible array of people, but they don't come out as speakers. They don't don't show mm. their Hispanic card. First of all, if I would say what we need to do after reading these findings is create an army of spokespeople, an army of role models, provide platforms for Hispanics to be able to speak and say, like, look at me, I am a success story. I was able to start a fashion company and this is what I'm doing. Or look at me, I am in sports and I won a medal. Just trying to shine as a Hispanic and just let other people see them. Our young generations deserve to be guided. And there's a lot of people that can be a role model. They just need to speak up and we just need to provide them with the right platforms. Now, having said that, I am very hopeful because I just know that people don't know. That's the key message of all of this. Mm. If you knew that by speaking up, you would really influence your community. Would you speak up? Yeah, of course. There we go. Yeah. So the road is out there. It's just a matter of actually repeating a message of unification and speaking up overall for this Hispanic community to be able to have a quick turnaround that is comes from pride and understanding that together we're better. So I'm interested in some of the hurdles that it's going to take to get there. And one seems to be, from this study, a trust crash. So talk me through that. What does that mean? So the Edelman Trust Barometer mm -hmm. did um, du during 2016 and during 2017, um, you know, like a quick turnaround study of what was happening in trust after the election. And the group that was most affected were Hispanics in America. That meant that if you had an overall collapse in institutions all around Americans from government to religion and so on. Hispanics had the hardest hit. And that was the one group that also had a very distinctive um, differentiation of trust on government and representatives after the election. That meant the Hispanic community felt betrayed mm. and felt bruised after the election. And this is a community that consumes 75 percent more media than other groups, but they don't do it through new sources. That's actually a, a, a one really, really strong, um, the, uh, you know, like fall on trust about Hispanics that they don't feel represented in the mm. media. And the consequences of not having trust in individuals, in institutions or in media is that you recruit yourself. Okay, so what are you calling on companies to do? Brands have to commit 
to showing their love in a differentiated way. I had a conversation last night with someone from Unilever and he was like, oh, total marketing. And I'm like, oh, no, baby, don't give me total marketing. Mm. Give me something distinctive for the Hispanic community where you're making an effort. We're behind. Hispanics make the least of the dollar for any other community. So an American like you would make one dollar per dollar. African-Americans would do probably like 70, 70 cents of a dollar. Asians, 80 cents of a dollar. Hispanics is 50 cents of a dollar. Hmm. So we have the highest catch up to be made. And so we need companies to recognize not only our potential, but also our challenges and help us by providing training, help us by providing education, help us by providing us with encouragement, with platforms, with role models, with true love. Recognizing the Hispanic workforce that you have, recognizing the Hispanic potential consumer that is out there. It's just quite simple. It's just a matter of getting it done. And the time has never been better. I want to ask you one more question about about voting, uh, because it seems like this is an incredible opportunity for politicians as well. There is a lack of hope on the power of vote to be heard for the Hispanic community. Mm. And yet there is an incredible high degree of trust in the American dream and in America getting better, and in America that is inclusive and can allow people to thrive. So I think that if you turn it around and say, this is not about the vote, is this about the future of the country, you will get by far more people incentivized. Now, politicians really need to pay attention because this is a group that they cannot have left out and not caring to come and vote. Middle-term elections will be very important for Hispanics to demonstrate whether they have understood their voice and their power. I think that in overall, what I would say, it is having worked and as a marketer for my entire life and having worked on projects or products that needed to be packaged in a way to be sent out to the world to be understood Normally, the product is really hard, right? Like poverty. So let's transform AIDS into something cool. That's hard. You know? <laughs> That's a hard thing. And yet, we did it. Product Red, um, you know, like trying to get the Global Fund to be really interesting and appealing, um, trying to get globalization through the World Economic Forum to be something that is inclusive and that can attract young people to be aspirational young global leaders and so on. This is the first time in my life in which the equation is inverse. This community is powerful, it shines, it has everything that it needs. And yet the packaging is so negative, it's so appalling, it's so downwards. So I think the issue is less of an issue. I think that we can get this done in a couple of years. I don't think that we're going to see the results right now in this election, but I I would love to be sitting down here next to you by Mm. May um, 2019 and see the progress. And then, you know, like by the end of 2020, say like, hey, do you remember those days where Hispanics were not seen? It's almost like the Asians. Mm. And now it's like, holy cow, they're eating our lunch by far in everything, in technology, in, you know, software engineers, in development, in innovation, in design. And I want that transformation to be done. And I don't think that it's going to take that long. All right. Well, we're going to see you back here. Well, I'm going to see you before then, but we're going to talk about it in May 2019. And and have this conversation in Spanish. (laughs) Muy bien. (laughs) That was Iri Lush. And that was Claudia Romo Edelman. And it's exciting to actually be releasing the results of the Hispanic study here at the Global Goalscast. Thank you to our partners at the United Nations, UNICEF, 
World Food Program, UN Foundation, SDG Action Campaign of the Office of the UN Development Program, International Office for Migration, International Development Law Organization, Malaria No More, Rollback Malaria, Project Everyone, and Public Foundation. We are also grateful for the support of Hub Culture, SAS, Cultural Intelligence, Freud's Communication, Saatchi and Saatchi, Action Button, and of course, CBS News Digital. We want to recognize individual champions who have been supporting Global Goals Cast, including David Sable, David Jones, Will Lewis, and Seven Hills. And then to our amazing advisory board, Jacob Weisberg, Steve Rubel, Kate Stanners, Dolly Schoenfelder, Matthew Freud, Christy Tanner, Fawn Maturos Chatananyang, Sergio Fernandez de Cordova, Dinesh Pillowal, and Scarlett Curtis. The struggle is real, and we know that firsthand being daughters of hardworking immigrants. That's why on La Lucha is Real podcast, hablamos un poquito de todo. Somos Angel and Edith, long-term best friends who have authentic conversations, giving us space to be vulnerable without judgment because La Lucha is real. We want all of our amigos who listen to us to feel a part of the conversation and feel empowered to become a better version of themselves. A veces bromeando y a veces llorando, pero siempre mejorando. La Lucha is Real podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts.